seasons change and so do people. After you start something, it's always nice to look back to see how far you've come. That's what today is part of revisiting the vintage series of this podcast, The Power of Investing in People from way back in 2019. So I've come a long way, baby. My equipment has come a long way, and now I'm working with Heroes Media Group, and I've partnered with the Lima Charlie Network. After three years, so much has happened. However, content from these episodes are still amazing, and the messages are still there. And in today's episode, as we kickstart season five, our special guest is my friend, Scott Perry. He shares his journey to becoming an entrepreneur and how we give more to others than we give to ourselves. You'll have to stay tuned for future episodes for when we sit down with Scott again and give you the update on where is he now and hear how much has changed, shifted, and pivoted for him. So stay tuned to his inspiring journey. You won't want to miss it. And for other inspiring podcasts with more leaders, go to the Lima Charlie Network website at limacharlienetwork.com. Yo, what's up, everyone? This is Joe Bogdan from the Llama Leadership Team and co-host of the Llama Lounge Podcast. And I wanted to share with you this amazing opportunity to become a published author and become a fire starter. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Well, it did to me, and joining the Firestarters Book Project was an amazingly easy and fun way to get my feet wet in the published author space. Shay and Christine made it so easy to navigate through the publishing realm and gave me the blessed opportunity to share my story with the world, and they would love to do the same for you. They are seeking aspiring authors like you to collaborate with them, and the best part is that they are going to do all of the hard work for you. All you have to do is commit to the process. You have nothing to lose and so much to gain. So join the team by visiting firestartersbookproject.com and tell them Joe sent you. It will change your life for the better, I promise. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. Today, we have a very good friend of mine who I met online. His name is Scott Perry. Hi, Scott. How are you doing today? I'm doing so well, Shay. Even better now that I get to spend an hour with you. Well, thank, again, thank you, Scott, so much for being here. Um, Scott and I met through uh, the marketing seminar, I believe. I think that is correct, although we are also both on the NBA a lot, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And uh, for those who don't know, so Scott Perry is a husband, father, teacher, and musician. He developed Creating on Purpose after graduating from the Alt MBA. He helps people identify their values and develop their talents to promote their well-being by serving others. Also, he is a coach in Seth Godin's online programs. His new book is called Endeavor, and his other best-selling book is The Stoic creative handbook. Scott believes that you cultivate your own well-being the most when you enhance the lives of others. So again, Scott, I'm so excited to have you here. And my first, I really want to know how do, well, first of all, let me ask you this. Let me back up. What does investing in people mean to you? Well, I think investing in people means that we have gone beyond being enrolled uh, in caring about somebody else's journey or well-being or progress, and that we are actually ready to do something. When we, in, in the marketing seminar and in the Alt-MBA, which you and I both been through, Seth talks a lot about empathy, the ability to see and hear and understand what another person is feeling, but another person is going through what problems they may have or what aspirations they may have. And I think it's a really powerful and necessary component of doing work that matters. But I also believe that empathy is just a step towards the greater virtue of compassion, which is when we go beyond seeing, hearing, and understanding and actually decide that we are going to engage and do something. 
and investment is a necessary component of being a compassionate person, whether that's in a role as a parent or a friend or in your role as an entrepreneur or as an employee. Compassion is the idea that you are investing, you are going to put skin in the game, and that you are going to invest in the elevating someone else's life and helping them get where they want to go. I love that. Elevating someone else's life and help them where they want to go. Which brings me to, I'm going to give you some uh, quotes from your book that I just really enjoy, um, really spoke to me. It resonated with me. And so hopefully it resonates with our audience. And the book is um, Endeavor. And the first pretty much line of it is, this isn't a self-help book. It, it is a self uh, or help others book. So explain what help others means to you. One of the, the premises that the book is based on is that we are inherently social creatures. It's how we survived from an evolutionary point of view. Uh, it was our ability to gather and work together that enabled us to survive in a hostile world where we were neither the fastest nor the strongest. And that gathering promoted communication and collaboration, both of which Help grow our brains and our capacity for reason, and that it led us from being just another species of animal scuttling about the planet to being the species that has dominated the planet. And so, I think that that impulse, the impulse to gather, the impulse to care, the impulse to serve others and endeavors that make a difference is just hardwired into us in the same way that the lizard brain and the fight or flight impulse is hardwired into us. It's neither of those impulses is going anywhere anytime soon. And so it makes sense to me, therefore, that we promote our, well, our own well-being the most when we are engaged in endeavors and enterprises that promote the well-being of others. What a great concept, promote the well-being of others, and in return, you'll be able to promote your own well-being. And that's really why I started this podcast, because I've noticed that when you invest in yourself, you then can overflow and invest into others. And then by investing in others, you get filled back up to continue to invest in yourself. And it's just this amazing, um, endless, beautiful cycle. Yeah, well, that's, I, I want to I wanna stick a pin in what you just said, because I think what you just said is extremely profound and extremely important. This idea of serving others, this idea of cultivating excellence by, while making a difference, the ideas of empathy and compassion are definitely outward-facing impulses, but we can only do them truly and effectively and generously and and with impact when we first practice those impulses on ourselves. You cannot truly see, hear, and understand another person with empathy until you have the ability to do that with it for yourself. You cannot truly care enough to serve someone else and help enhance or elevate their lives in a compassionate way, unless you can practice that same kind of compassion to yourself. And so there's this element of self-awareness, personal development, cultivating of excellence within ourselves that enables us to then serve others more profoundly. And as you just said, I believe that when we are engaged in this kind of work, that what happens is the things that we're all chasing, like purpose and passion and excellence, they become renewable resources. The more that we are leveraging our values and talents to help others, the more we are creating those those results of passion, purpose, uh, maybe even position and prestige, and 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 then we can take those 
and put and, and reinvest them in ourselves so that we can then reinvest in others through the work that we do. Beautifully said. If you, um, yes, if you don't have compassion for yourself, how can you have compassion for other people? And vice versa. You can't have compassion for other people if you can't have compassion for yourself first. So it's, it's, yes, it's just this really amazing, beautiful cycle when it's practiced ongoingly. Yeah, and I think that's a, 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 another important thing to maybe just pause on for a minute because as you're engaging in these kind of exercises and these kind of impulses and activities, it's really important to make sure that you're doing them with a level of uh, and paying attention to both your integrity, your values and guiding principles, but also your intention, making sure that you're very clear, as we say in the marketing seminar, about what it's for, who it's for, and the promise promises that we are making uh, and making sure that those are promises that we are able to keep. Yes, and I love the marketing seminar for that help and and just getting clarity in my own um, business and brand. So um, to kind of talk on that, how is it that your business and yourself you um, invest in other people? What's it for? Well, I, the, the subtitle of um, of endeavor is cultivating excellence while making a difference, and that's what it's for. I believe that we enhance our lives the most when we are engaged in work that elevates the lives of others. And all of that kind of work, the kind of work that you do, the kind of work that I do, the kind of work that so many of all our alt FBA brothers and sisters do, and the work that our friend and mentor Seth Cook does, is really all sort of pointing in the same direction. We are all trying to fly higher endeavors that matter and bring others along and help others along the way. Find the others, the fellow travelers, find belonging and kind of elevate the entire community. And that kind of work means that we are we are promoting change. We are promoting transformation. We are creating friction within the status quo. The status quo wants things to be the same. The status quo rewards people that are confident and certain because they understand the status quo, they have studied it, they've memorized it, they know how to leverage it for their own benefit. And too often, that mindset is promoting selfishness and I'll get mine good luck getting yours, as opposed to this other kind of work where instead of certainty and confidence, we're promoting the values of courage and curiosity. Mm. And and through the kind of work that we do that may or may not work, but is striving for, uh, is aspirational, is, is drawn from our values and our better angels, we are all engaged in this work that actually creates more opportunities for more of us and so that we can all rise instead of just the few that are able to rise within the status quo. Well, and I really like how when you talk about curiosity in your book, you also have a place where you can uh, journal. And one of the questions, or two of the questions is, what does it mean to be human? And what does it mean to be happy? And uh, was there an obstacle that you had faced that you saw that this was needed to be in the book? Well, the book is really, when we talk about an endeavor, we're talking about not necessarily the role that we play in life, although our endeavors can be tied to our roles as employees, entrepreneurs, parents, or uh, partners. And there, I'm not so much talking about occupations, jobs, and that sort of thing. I'm talking more about an endeavor is the work you do that makes a difference in the lives of others and therefore in your own life. And I don't think that you can really talk about 
that kind of deep, meaningful work, work that's more than just about getting by or making the buck or uh, improving your status you know, within an organization or within your neighborhood. It's, it, it, it's work that's more speaking to vocation and higher calling. And I don't think that you can really talk about that sort of thing unless you are willing to pause for at least a minute and think about life's biggest questions, questions that we have been asking ever since we've been able to articulate the ideas that are cycling through our head. Um, so the book does begin with three questions. What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be happy? And how can I be more of those? Because that is, the, those are the types of questions that are being answered when we are pursuing meaningful work, work that matters, work that makes a difference, work that I call an endeavor. And so I do leave room for people to answer those questions. There's also, uh, at the end of the book, there's a workbook or a guidebook that you can, uh, with writing, other writing prompts and other resources that you can, that you can use. Uh, and I just think that it's, necessary to spend a little time if you're talking about doing big things and, and doing important work to, to deal with those important questions. Now, I recognize that for some people, answering those initial three questions can be very challenging, very overwhelming. Uh, so what I do immediately, you know, after I sort of pause and encourage you to jot something down, or have a conversation with a friend around these ideas, these questions. I actually give my answers, at least the answers that I have right now for those questions, not because I think that they are the answers. They're certainly not the answers for everybody. They are the answers for me at, in the present moment. And just a way of helping others see that you don't have to be don't have to have a, a degree in philosophy or religion or psychology or biology or anything else to do some thought about what does your life mean and what how can you promote more flourishing and less stress in your own life. Great uh, answer. I love that you talked about how can you flourish in your own life, and I think that's part of what our work is about is really kind of diving in and, and almost like interviewing ourselves to kind of figure out where we're headed. What is it, the work that we want to do? Um, and that kind of thing. And so I love that you have additional writing prompts at the end of the book to continue to dive in and do their own research on themselves, on the reader. So that's good job on that. Well, thank you, Wallace. Well, and, and so I gave a lot of thought to that part of it because my first book, The Stoic Creative Handbook, was very much kind of a, a write as you go type of guide. There's, there's writing prompts at the end of every chapter, and there's additional exercises that you can try. I wanted Endeavor to be more of a narrative, but I recognize that people that really resonated with Stoic Creative would be looking for that kind of, you know, additional work, those additional exercises. So what I did was I presented it in Endeavor in a way that you could simply read the book through as a narrative, as a story, uh, as uh, as concepts and food for thought. And then when you get to the end, you could decide if you want to go back through with the workbook and kind of answer these prompts and, and go a little bit deeper. Uh, but I think, you know, those things can also be done in conversation with a friend or with a mastermind or an accountability buddy. Uh, and it's the whole idea is to promote conversation around these ideas and to promote community around the idea that we can all fly higher together endeavors that make a difference. So I love that one of the things that you talk on in your book is is about shame. And from my own 
life experience. I know I spent many years um, in shame. And you say that shame is an invitation that you do not have to accept. So tell me more about that. Well, that's, yeah. I, shame is a primal, it's a primal impulse. It's hardwired. It's part of the fight or flight response. It's, it's hardwired into our prehistoric brain, our lizard brain. And its intention is not to cause us harm, but to, to keep us safe. Because if we remain humble and hiding, then there's no chance that we're going to stand out and, uh, you know, be shunned from the, by the tribe or by the leader of the tribe. And, you know, we can continue to just safely up along in our lives in whatever community we find ourselves in. So, like the flight or flight, the, the uh, fight or flight response, shame is one of those human instincts that has kind of outlived its its necessity, and we have to reframe our relationship with it because it's not going to go anywhere. Just because we don't have to be afraid of tigers in the underbrush and wild boars running us down and, and skewering us on their tusks doesn't doesn't mean that uh, we're not going to lose the fight or flight response. Just because we don't require being part of a, a tribe to to be safe and to have shelter and a sense of belonging doesn't mean that shame is going anywhere. So I like the idea of thinking of shame as an invitation that we don't have to accept because on the one hand, we are acknowledging that shame has come to visit. Oftentimes, these things come and are in a way only come when there are stakes involved, when, there, when there's something on the line, when there is an aspiration ahead of us that we wish to pursue, but shame is trying to keep us safe and humble and hiding. And so instead of inviting shame in for tea, lunch, a weekend, we can say, oh, thanks for coming to visit. This must mean that there's some work for me to do. This must mean that there's something uh, ahead that's worth paying attention to and perhaps worth investing some of my valuable time and attention. And so thank you, Shane, for pointing this out to me. And I know that you will want to come along and that there's not much I can do to prevent you from doing that. So you know, please have a seat. You're welcome to watch. You're welcome to comment, but this is what I'm doing because this is important. And as much as I appreciate your invitation, I'm going to politely decline and step into what's next with integrity and attention. And I'm going to try to make the difference that I can make. Wow. Yeah. So fear is kind of goes along those same lines, right? Fear is freeze, uh, flight, flight, or freeze. And, um, shame is kind of like a fear response, right? So if that saber tooth tiger is chasing you, you're, you are in fear. And, um, then you might feel bad that you did not run it. Right. <laughs> and so, uh, and the, the key part is to, like you're saying, is not get stuck there. You can right. say, hi, how you doing? Thanks for coming by. Thanks for the visit, but I'm going to continue on my way. Yeah. Well, that's the, the, the key is acknowledgement because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and all of this, Seth's talking about the lizard brain and, um, you know, this idea of shame is an invitation you don't have to accept that I promote the book. These are all, I think, reflections of the various ways that Stephen Pressfield of the War of Art talks about 
the resistance, which mm-hmm. can manifest as shame, as procrastination, as fear, yes. uh, as all sorts of things. And as he so eloquently articulates in that book, you don't, you cannot, you can't push this stuff down and ignore it because it only make that only makes it stronger. And you know, Pressfield talks about kind of doing battle with these kind of primal urges and impulses. Uh, and they're battles that you have to fight every day. I, I prefer to think, I think Seth's thinking about instead of fighting with fear, we can dance with our fear. We can, and for me, it's about reframing the situation that we're in with, with shame, fear, or anything else that's holding us back or helping us get in our own way, which is ultimately what I think is really happening. Shame is an invitation for you to stop yourself from doing what you know needs to be done. And so, however the reader wants to frame it is up to them, and and they should do that in any way that works for them, as long as it promotes their continuing to step into the meaningful work that they are meant to do and that can be done in service of others while at the same time enhancing their own lives. I love that. Is there a is there a time for you personally that you were vulnerable with another person that actually gave you confidence that you would share with us? Uh, so a time when I was in a vulnerable situation that somebody through, through somebody else, I was able to, to get some courage or some, mm-hmm. some confidence. Yes. Uh, I would say, you know, that happens, uh, that happens with increasing frequency. <laughs> um, you know, this idea of vulnerability is another thing maybe worth kind of just dwelling on for a minute because we think of just, we live in this age that promotes certainty and overconfidence and bluster and even, you know, doing whatever's necessary, even if that means causing harm to others, lying, what have you. And the only way that we're going to we, we, we can't overcome that. That that's the status quo. The status quo is the status quo because the status quo is very good at being the status quo, and it's very good at staying the status quo and, and taking on all challengers. The only way to overcome the status quo is to engage in behavior or activities alongside the status quo in a way that is generous and visible to others and so undeniably better than what the status quo has to offer that eventually people shift from the status quo thinking or activities to these other, you know, this other better way. And in a way, I feel like the work that you and I and all of our uh, friends in the Alt MBA and said themselves, you know, we're all doing this work that's just showing that there is another way. You know, you, you can go into deep, deep debt, going to school, getting an MBA, and getting a job that you may or may not uh, find fulfillment in, and making a lot of money and using that money to buy things for yourself make up for the fact that you're not truly happy with your life or that the job is not bringing you the kind of satisfaction that you hoped. Or you can do this other thing, which is to join a community of people that are interested in not only leveling up themselves, but helping others level up along alongside of them. And I take all of these ideas that we we learn in the Alt MBA that the marketing seminar, the ideas around, you know, as, uh, standing up and being seen, speaking up and being heard, trying things that, that might not work, 
collaborating with others, being generous, being kind, making, uh, telling ourselves better stories and sharing better stories with other people. And I take that into everything I do. So I, whether I'm on stage as a musician or in my studio giving guitar lessons, I'm not just doing those things. I'm not just on stage singing songs to turn a few bucks and I'm not in the studio teaching somebody how to play wagon wheel so I can make a few bucks and, and you know, put it so that I can, so that I can make a living. I'm helping people find, fulfill themselves by helping them get from where they are to where they want to go and encouraging them along the way to generously share their talents and gifts with others to it. And again, this idea of just enhancing the lives of others while they are cultivating their, their own excellence. Uh, and so those kind of opportunities that you're talking about where, you know, I'm, I may be vulnerable, being vulnerable and somebody else is, is, helping enrich my experience and helping provide me or, or welcoming and, and encouraging and supporting my journey into continuing to be curious and courageous and continuing to try new things. It happens daily. It happens in the lesson studio. It happens in my conversations with my kids, with my wife, um, because I think these conversations that we're talking about, the conversation that we're having right now. This is not, uh, we don't see these conversations on network television or commercial radio for a reason, because those entities are serving the status quo. We're serving a different way of seeing in a different way, a different mindset, and a different posture. And every single one of these acts is, a, is a, on the one hand an act of vulnerability, but at the same time, there are opportunities to promote this idea of well-being through service for others, promoting resilience, promoting perseverance, promoting patience, promoting awareness, promoting living in the present moment, and stepping into what's next purposefully and with, uh, and, and while staying true to yourself and while serving others at the same time. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm not sure I answered your question, but I think there's some good stuff in there somewhere. Well, I think we're going to kind of circle back around to it a little bit, but, um, but that's, uh, so for me personally, I had no idea what the alt MBA was and I knew who Seth Godin was and was following his blog. And I saw him do an interview with Marie Fortfolio and, uh, he was talking about the alt MBA and I was like, what is this? How can I get involved? And, um, I'm a, a practicer, if you will, a practitioner of stepping out of my comfort zone on a regular basis. And to hear about this month-long sprint, if you will, was such an, a, a concept that I had been doing just in, in my own life, journaling and um, taking all kinds of different classes and meeting new people and connecting and, and in all kinds of different ways. I was really drawn to doing it. So how did you find out about it and what drew you in to doing it? Uh, so I went, I, I, I participated in Alt MBA 6, which was in August of 2016. And I had probably only been aware of Seth for a few months before I became aware of the Alt MBA. And that was through my wife who has followed him for some time. And I guess maybe it was a, maybe about a year before I joined Alt MBA that I, so, uh, so my wife had been telling me about this guy, said Philip, that I should be checking out. And of course, I, I never really checked him out <laughs> until months before the program. 
Um, I had a friend and a mentor that recommended um, Purple Cow to me, and I read that book and I found it. I actually read Purple Cow alongside of Positioning the War for Your Mind, or whatever that book is, um, the, the kind of famous book on positioning. And I just found Seth's approach so much more compelling than that other approach. And, you know, when the Alt-MBA was enrolling for the sixth session, my wife told me about it, encouraged me to, to apply, and I completed the application, you know, with no clear feeling that I would actually even be accepted into the program, and even if I was accepted, not quite sure that we could swing it just because, you know, I'm a, I'm a self-employed musician and guitar teacher, and I wasn't going to be able to go, you know, going to the boss, but asking myself if I could spend this much money on this program. And I, you know, when I got, when I got into the program, when I got accepted, I was prepared to decline. And my wife and my sons basically sat me down and said, you really need to do this. And it doesn't matter if, you know, we're not going to have us go to the beach this summer. This is something that you need to do. So I I went ahead and uh, accepted, you know, the invitation to join. Uh, I re totally rescheduled my my gigging schedule for that month, my teaching schedule for that month, so that I could make all the commitments. And I really gave that program everything I possibly could. You and I both know how rigorous that program is mm -hmm. and it's rigorous on purpose i i believe that you know and like you i wasn't even quite sure what i was getting into when i joined the program it just you know so it has this masterful way of speaking to our aspirational nature and it just you know it just was was hitting me right where i lived and i knew it was something i, I deeply desperately wanted to do and you get into the program and the very first time you meet with your first cohort you receive this exercise that seems almost impossible and you get it done and then the next exercise come, comes and it's equally impossible yet you get it done and so the, the alt MBA is is a program that I believe teaches us that you know, the people that joined Seth's programs are, are high achievers already. And they are people for the most part that are, I, I find to be doers, people that are, you know, actually out in the world doing important work or at least, at the very least, aspiring to do great work and willing to step into it. But that program reveals to most of us that whatever, however great you thought you were, however productive you thought you were, uh, you didn't have any idea that, that you are capable of so much more and so much better and that the way to get there is to surround yourself with others who are honest similar journey and to participate collaboratively and with integrity and intention and it's just the word I hear over and over again from alumni when they are graduating from the program and I ask them what's the one word that you would use to uh, to describe the experience, the word that comes up more often than any other is transformational, and mm. it was certainly that for me. Wow. So I'm just going to talk on several nuggets there that you gave us. So first of all, thank you, thank you, thank you for not declining your invitation to the Alt-MBA, because <laughs> I was in uh, eight, so just right after you, Alt-MBA right. eight, and um, to see you since then, since mine was January of 17, so to have seen you from February of 17 on 
uh, you are sharing your gifts every single day. So I am one personally affected by you saying yes to doing it. So I can't imagine you not being a part of uh, the alumni group uh, or the marketing seminar group. I can't imagine you not being a part of that. So thank you for saying yes, first of all. Well, that's, that's very generous. I think you should probably thank my wife and sons. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yes, definitely thank them and hug them for me because I'm so glad that you were able to do it because like you said, as self-employed people, sometimes we, you know, we think, is this going to be worth it? Is this really something that I want to invest in? And, uh, honestly, and now I, now mind you, I'm not getting paid to promote stuff by any means, but I will tell you that of all of the things that I have invested in from, um, classes that I have took at the community college to classes, other classes I've taken online, this particular one, the Alt MBA, is the most it's transformational is a very good word because it really allows you to think of who you think you are and then it shows you who you are capable of being and then it pushes you even further past that. So I love that you really talked about that kind of in your book a little bit because you said you say you are enough, yet capable of more. We need you. It's time to make a difference and it's time to fly higher. And I really feel that that is really, um, encompassing of what took us through the Alt MBA. I mean, that was really my own experience. Uh, like you said, we had and what you see is a, an assignment that looked impossible and yet we get it done. And then another one comes in and, and it's even okay, it's just as possible, impossible, and we get it done. And then another day goes by, and then, then there's an all-day event where you're literally in the trenches with people you have no idea who they are from all over the world, and you are doing it. You're getting it done, and it's a beautiful um, creation at the end. Yeah, it's that part of it, the collaborative, collaborative part, uh, is was probably the most profound part for me because I had been a solopreneur for so long mm. uh, and had and the story I was telling myself was that I was kind of, um, uh, you know, I was incapable of, of being um, domesticated and housebroken, that I was, you know, uh, incapable of, of um, you know, being employed uh, by someone else or, uh, you know, working um, with others and, you know, what that experience with the Alt-MBA shows you is that it's not, it, it, it's a matter of uh, working with the right others and, you know, finding those with whom you align in terms of values and whose talents are complementary to yours. And that's where we find kind of our tribe, where we belong. We belong with people that share our values and need our talents to enhance their lives and whose talents we need to enhance our lives. And I just, you know, I, I really appreciate the kind words um, that you, you said about, you know, about my participation and, uh, you know, being in the program and, and being a part of the community. I think, you know, one of the things that when I launched Endeavor, I really leveraged and leaned on the community of Alt MBA alumni to help me, you know, spread the word about the book. Uh, and the book did become a bestseller in, uh, even though it's a help others book, it did become a bestseller in a couple of the subcategories of the self-help category. Um, Yay! <laughs> yeah. And so it's, you know, that it's, it's an extraordinary experience and it, it's, it's an extra, extraordinary group of people. And I really feel like, in a way, um, you know, Seth is leading this movement where of people that, you know, he's not interested in being a guru or even a guide. He wants to get you going and then 
kind of pushes you out into the world and says, go, you know, make your ruckus, go, make change happen. And I see it in your work. I see it in the work of literally hundreds, if not thousands of alumni who, you know, I come across through our community, uh, our various online communities. And I see what people are doing and it's just, it's extraordinary. And this is the way that change happens. Change doesn't happen with one single monumental event. I mean, it's great all four people swinging for the fences and trying to hit a home run. But most games are won through walks, box, butts, singles, doubles. You know, we it's just that, you know, drip, 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 chip, chip, chip. Uh, and eventually... You know, so, and then suddenly you reach that tipping point where you have made change happen and the world is enhanced and a better place for your having participated in the work that you're doing. Wonderful. I love that you talked about the, the communities that, that the Alt MBA has really, um, developed or, um, become to life actually, um, from just taking this one class. We now have an alumni group of, I think, a couple of thousand people right now, isn't it? It's, oh, yeah. Yes. And, I mean, when you look at all the, all the um, courses, and I mean, there's a lot of cross-pollination people that right. have been at the Alta MBA, have taken the marketing seminar, mm-hmm. and now there's a bootstrapping mm-hmm. workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, you know, there's literally a community of thousands kind of across all these various online uh, courses, and it's... I think really making a difference. Yes. And, and it's really about, you know, like you said, talk, surrounding yourself with others that share the same values that are like-minded, maybe other solo entrepreneurs. So how are you connecting to someone that's different? That's not in the um, alumni group or the Alt MBA. Well, I definitely wrote the book for an audience that is not necessarily a part of the alt MBA universe. Although a lot of people within the alt MBA community have purchased, read, reviewed, and, and responded to the book, and uh, have had you know just extremely positive, generous things to say about it. What I'm finding is that the people that are connecting with me after connecting with Endeavor are people that are not from the Alt MBA community, and many of them aren't even aware of of who Seth is and and the pro you know his various books and programs. One of the things that I offer in the appendices uh, of the the book are resources, and I do share some of my favorite books, some of which, of course, are um, by Seth. And some of my favorite blogs and sites and apps and all, all, you know, YouTube videos and what have you. And so it's a way of connecting readers with the work that has made an impact, uh, on my life. But the, I wanted to write a book. So a book like The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield or a book like Lynchpin or The Adverse Deception by Seth Godin or Poke the Box by Seth Godin. Those are works that are encouraging people that are kind of in the experience of fear or hiding to come out and to engage and to embark on a voyage of, of developing themselves and sharing and, 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 you know, kind of starting to share their work to ship. And I, in a way, although Endeavor can speak to that audience as well, I really wrote the book more for people like those in the Alt MBA community that are actually already invested in, in doing work that matters and may very well be engaged in and advancing in a journey of doing work that's making a difference, but are 
finding themselves you know, experiencing challenges, misfortunes, hardships. I mean, this kind of work, by definition, if you are doing work that's trying to change the status quo, that work is going to come with challenges and difficulties. And it's not work for the faint of heart. It's not work that's easy. But in many ways, by just sharing some simple principles and concepts of, within the book, I'm giving those people a way of reframing the situation and cultivating uh, cultivating resilience, cultivating gratitude, cultivating generosity, and giving them fuel for going forward and alternative perspectives for how they're going to engage with the things that are getting in their way. There's a, a whole section in the book on storytelling, and it really begins with the stories we tell ourselves, because mm -hmm. that's often, it's not external things that are getting in our way. It's ourselves getting in our way because of the way that we choose to frame our situation, our circumstances, our surroundings of the people that we're with and if we just zoom out for a minute and find a different way of looking at things we can then find a way around through or under the challenges that we are facing and i'm a person that believes that even when even when we cannot move forward there are still opportunities for us to build ourselves because it, when we find, when we cannot find a way past, through, or around the challenge, we have the opportunity in that moment to practice the virtues of patience, of acceptance, uh, and to build resilience. And we have an opportunity to make a new choice. We can, you know, if we are, if we are clear on our values and are leveraging our talents and are finding ourselves surrounded by people that share our values and need our talents, then we can keep one foot firmly planted in our purpose. And instead of going in the direction that we were going, we can pivot and face in a different direction where there will be other possibilities and other opportunities. So there's I'm all for setting big goals way out in the future and chasing them, but I'm even more for keeping our eyes open and being open-minded as we are moving forward and stepping into taking each step towards what's coming next, taking a look at what other opportunities and possibilities there might be. And so very often in my experience, things don't turn out exactly, rarely turn out the way that we wanted them or expected them to or planned mm -hmm. them to. Mm -hmm. But they always turn out really, really well if you are engaged in, you know, being true to yourself and being clear on your purpose and being clear on your motivation and being clear on your ultimate aspiration. Um, of building yourself by helping build others. Uh, I love, I just want to inter interrupt you right now. Um, because you, you've said so much, and I really hope that when the people are listening to this, that they have are not driving in their car, that they are literally taking notes because there's so many gems that you are saying, you are speaking about and talking about. And I love the the new choices of the story that we tell ourselves. And what you were just talking about, about the, you know, it might not lead up to our, our, what we expected in life. Something may have, you know, through a, a wrench in the, our plan, so to speak. You, you say this in the book and, um, we'll kind of wrap up soon, but I love, love what you say here. You decide how to interpret your current situation or circumstance. You choose what to do next. You decide what to build how to make it, when to start it, 
with whom and for whom to construct it. So lace up your work boots, grab your work gloves. It's time to get to work. Start building right now. Would you say that's your uh, legacy, that that's what you would want to be remembered for? Oh, that's really interesting that you asked that question, and it's a great question. When I graduated from Alt-MBA 6, I was deep in thought about legacy. I began my career as a self-employed person as a performing musician, and I did that for a very long time. I my career is 35 years so far. Um, but my, and I, I came to a point where I kind of felt like there wasn't going to be much that I was going to leave behind as a performing musician that was going to have much of an impact when I was gone. I mean, I had done great shows and I had made great music and I had some recordings that I was proud of. I didn't really feel like it was going to have any kind of big impact on the world. So I began teaching about 15 years ago, and I felt like that was going to be my legacy. That there, I literally at this point have probably taught over a thousand people how to play the guitar, and through that endeavor, have helped them cultivate their confidence, have helped them find their voice, have helped them share their talents with others. I've Many of my students have gone on to have performing careers of their own, recording careers of their own, have become teachers. Um, and so I felt like going into the Alpha MBA, that that was kind of my legacy. I had made all these music makers and that they were going out into the world and enhancing their lives and the lives of those around them through, you know, music making, which is one of the very few activities that does promote health and well-being for both the person making music and the person on the receiving end. And when I came out of the Alt MBA, I felt like there was a different that that I wanted my impact to still be greater than that. I wanted my legacy to be more than. Just having been a, a, a great guitar teacher. And, you know, what I'm sharing in Endeavor is a way of doing that by, as, as you know, you know, a book just has the ability to reach far more people than you can reach it through one on one exchanges. And, you know, the book also is turning into a other things like a mastermind group and online workshops and speaking engagements. And so the reach of these ideas will continue to, you know, collide with more and more people. It's not, I'm not so much interested in the scale of how many people hear about the book or buy the book or read the book. I'm more interested in how can I leverage what I'm sharing in this book to actually get people to take the action of stepping into what's next with integrity and intention of engaging in an enterprise that will enhance their, their lives through serving um, the, the, the lives of others. Uh, you know, that's my aspiration. Um, you know, whether it's my legacy or not, uh, you know, I think, one of the things I talk about in the book is agency, and agency is all about what is and what is not within your control. And I argue, or assert rather, that the only things that are really within your control are how you choose to see things and what you decide to do next. Everything else is outside of your control. But about those things that are outside of your control, we do have places where we can exert influence. And although I cannot control the behavior of others and I cannot control the behavior of the market that I'm trying to use to uh, you know, push this book out into the world, um, I can't put, put forth effort that will hopefully promote, initiate, or, or increase the ability to reach people. And then 
And then the legacy part of it is really up to others. Others will decide whether the book has had an impact. Others will decide whether my ideas were worth, uh, were worth their time and attention. And I'm okay with that because what I am mostly interested in is what can I do at this present moment to do the most good for myself and for others. And I'm, I'm at a point where I'm really able to just let everything else take care of itself because it does take care of itself. And any attachment I have to outcomes or expectations I have for fame, fortune, or what have you, it's only going to get in the way of my ability to do better work and, and good work in the here and now. Love it. Wow, wow, wow. So tell people how they can buy the book. Where can they find it? So if you type in Endeavor and Scott Perry, uh, the Amazon page will be one of the um, top hits. Uh, if you want to learn about any of my books or any of my uh, other activities, I blog and broadcast weekly from BeCreativeOnPurpose.com, and there are links there um, to get in touch with me, to get uh, to sign up for the, the reading, uh, or rather the mailing list, um, to get other free resources. There's there's free uh, chapters for both of my books. There's I just created an infographic on how to be creative on purpose. Uh, and, yeah, I'm always I, I'm, I'm eager to continue to grow my community uh, through connecting with my mailing list and anybody that wants to spend some time at uh, BeCreativeOnPurpose.com. Uh, you, can, you can just type in Creative On Purpose and it, my site will be one of the, the top three uh, choices. CreativeOnPurpose.com. That's your uh, website? The, the actual domain name is BeCreativeOnPurpose.com. Okay. The site is called Creative On Purpose. Creative On Purpose wasn't available. Be Creative On Purpose uh, was, and since I pop up number one, when you type in Creative On Purpose, I decided not to spend thousands of dollars just to lose two letters on my debate. Right. And your social media platforms, there's an area to... Um, connect with you on your website? I believe that you can find my Facebook page and my Instagram and my tw- I just got got on Twitter and um, like and I've been on LinkedIn for a little while now. Um, I'm, I am active on social media. It's not my favorite place to connect uh, just because um, because the social media platforms uh, algorithm is built to serve the social media platform and and not the people that are that are uh, on there to connect with the others. So the, the best way is always through the website. Okay, great. Well, we will definitely have to check you out, Scott. And thank you, thank you, thank you for your time, your generosity, your amazing gifts that you have given us. So I appreciate you being here. And um, I hope that everybody gets goes out and gets the book. It is definitely a must read if you are in any kind of creative journey on to see where where to go next. Well, I deeply appreciate all of those kind words and, and your support and encouragement as the book was uh, being launched. But the thing that I appreciate most about you, Shay, is that you are out there spreading the goodness that is you and the messages uh, of, of aspiration and hope and positivity. Uh, the work you're doing is really, really important, and I see it having an effect on the people that are following you, and uh, just that you would um, find my work worthy of uh, spending this time in conversation means, means the world to me, and uh, you know, because I have so much respect for you and your work. Um, I just feel uh, all the more validated about uh, you know what I what I'm working on. So thank you so much for this opportunity. Oh well, thank you, and that feeling is completely mutual. So I appreciate it. So thank you for listening to the Power of Investing in People podcast. 
Our mission is that you will be inspired to invest in yourself and the people around you. Why, you may ask? Because you are worth it. What does freedom mean to you, and why does that matter? I am Jay Lee, host of the Live Free series, and to answer those questions, we are going on a journey with people from all walks of life to discover what it takes to overcome the most significant obstacle on our path, which is our own mind and mindset, and turn it into our greatest asset on our journey to freedom. So join me on the Live Free series as we go on a mission to eradicate enslaved mindsets and to foster freedom.